when draws feel like wins, sometimes you got to take a step back and look at the picture and see whether or not you think you are what you are. Welcome to the Tunnel Club Reaction Show. I'm Mike Newell, along with uh, your co-host, as always, Sean Levy. Uh, we're, we're reacting to Toronto FC's 2-2 home draw against Atlanta United last night at BMO Field. Hey, look, I, I think for those that were there, um, obviously seeing a 94th minute winner or tire, I should say, uh, is always exciting. But sometimes you need to step back and just ask some questions about, you know, where things are and where the team is uh, and how did we get to that point. With that said, bring in my co-host, Sean Levy. Sean, you were there at BMO last night. Um, before we get into sort of all the talking points of the match, I just wanted to get your first impressions of what you thought of the game and from your vantage point. Well, um, I guess it was kind of tale of two halves, so I'll start with the first half. Um, obviously, we started on the, the back foot with an early um, letting in an early go goal, um, which is a little surprising, but not in the sense of, you know, Matt Hedges wasn't in there. So McNaughton played well, but you did he did have some moments where, you know, Sean Johnson was trying to, you know, get him into the right position, make sure he was marking. Um, that was I felt on that corner kick that was just too easy of a header for the for for them to get like we should have had a man like contesting that ball right that should not have been just an easy header it was a good header um but it shouldn't have been that easy um we settled down we started to move the ball well i thought we were actually looking after that goal we looked composed and we were, the ball ball moved as well we had good possession and that richie goal to tie it up uh later in the first half was brilliant um you know, re watching the replays, just the hold-up play from Insignia, uh, sorry, Bernadeschi, when he held it up for a sec to allow Richie the time and space to open up, play him off, and Richie just did the rest. Um, so that was the first half. Then the second half, where I just felt we, you know, we made some subs, and I've noticed this, as soon as we make subs, the team kind of loses sync, and they're a little off, and I felt in the sex most of the second half Atlanta dominated play they you know they went back ahead and it wasn't until you know the last 15-15 minutes when we finally started to really you know we subbed uh, Insigne in we looked more threatening offensively and you know thankfully for that beautiful play in the 94th minute where we were able to tie it up but I'll take the tie but there's definitely a, a lot of concern, especially in the final third. And I'm pretty sure most of the fans here will agree. We keep rotating different players in that number nine position, and none of them are good enough. Yeah, and it was uh, interesting when we saw the 11 to see Jordan Perusa get his first start of the season. Um Again, I, just watching it uh, uh, live on television yesterday and re-watching it again this morning, uh, he, uh, you keep coming back to it, right? And, and uh, you know, it, it feels like we're beating a dead horse around this number nine position. But, you know, it, it, we keep talking about it because it is a thing, right? It is a real um, issue. Pro you know, it, it's, a pro it's, a, it's an issue. It's a problem. Yeah, I, I don't think... Uh, anybody would be wrong in saying that, you know, not having a number nine that is a focal point is a problem. I, you know, it's hard to kind of blame Jordan Peruza. I don't think any fans would blame him, right? Like he hasn't had a ton of game time. You know, he, you're asking him to step into a position and, and try to lead the line. Um, and, and I just... You know, he's not there. He's not there at that point. And, and, and because you don't have that, you feel like at times – and watching it on television yesterday and again watching it this morning, there were actually some really good things TFC were doing in possession. But you can see it breaks down when you don't have that player to play into um, or that number nine to spit into space. 
and what you're and what teams are recognizing is that you know they can load up on Federico Bernadeschi and and kind of keep him from really being as effective as he could be because he doesn't have that player to play off of, right? So you can double at times, even triple team him and not be too concerned that a number nine is going to run into space behind you or is there is, or that person, that player is a threat because they don't see any of our number nines right now as a threat. So it makes it a little bit easier to double and it's a sometimes triple mark Frederico. Um, and, and that kind of bogs things down a little bit. But I do want to be somewhat positive uh, on this show because I think that in the first half, yes, okay, the, the, the goal goes in three minutes in. You know, it's Yakamakis you know, making a clever move and Lucas McNaughton loses him. Um, and it was a great header. I mean, you can't take anything away from the header. Um, but after that, I thought TFC actually did have moments of good possession um, and were able to progress the ball into dangerous spots. But we come back to it. You don't have anybody else finishing them off right now. And that's, that's a really key missing piece of this team right now. Yeah, I will definitely say, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people notice this, you know, from our midfield standpoint, we actually, specifically in the first half, I, I thought we were extremely sharp. You know, we controlled possession. We were moving the ball around. They were working well off of each other. They knew where they needed to be and where they wanted the ball. Like, it was it was a different, I mean, obviously it was a different lineup in the midfield, which we're going to get into, but... I was impressed. And I think that is a bright spot for me moving forward, right? Because we've already seen the improvement defensively that we've, you know, since last year with, you know, the changes we've made. I I personally think I like this. Yes, whether Bob, uh, Michael Bradley was injured or not, I like what I saw with the starting midfield yesterday. And I think there's you know, allowing more time, I think we can only get better with that. Those four, the, well, those three slash uh, Coelho added as well as the starting in the middle. I don't know what your take is, but to me, that was a bright spot. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's just jump right into it because it is kind of the the real question of the week, I think, for TFC fans is, the you know, Michael Bradley was excluded from the 11 uh, this week. And... You know, uh, I'll say for one game as a one game sample size, yes, the midfield was much, I would say, more dynamic in the sense that they were able to cover and cut off things a little bit quicker and recognize it, not recognize danger, but be able to react to that danger a bit quicker. And, and look, all the all the criticisms and critiques of Michael Bradley are well-worn. I think everybody in this room knows what they are. We know what Michael Bradley's really good at, and we know what he's deficient at. So I don't think we need to go into all of that. But I do think that you saw yesterday the potential beginning. And again, it's one game, so I will preface that. And most likely, if Michael Bradley's fit next week against Philadelphia, he's probably in the lineup. But you saw a team that can function and not look lost without Michael Bradley in the lineup. And I think that is encouraging in a sense that, you know, you can potentially trust Mark Anthony K in that number six role. Uh, if any of you listen to Toronto Till I Die this week, Chris Fung and I don't agree on that. Uh, he doesn't think he can. I think he can. You got to give him time to do it. Um, but I think that you, you saw that you saw that the team, I think progressed, uh, or maybe not even progressed the ball a little bit better. Cause I still think Michael Bradley as a progression player is still one of our better midfielders at doing that. But I think that just being able to react to things quicker was a big help, uh, in the midfield. Do I think 
that midfield is go- should be the midfield going forward. No, I do think Michael Bradley still has a significant role to play at Toronto FC. But as I've said a lot, he doesn't need to play 90 minutes every single week. I, I think he's still a starter. Frankly, I, I still think he is your best number six, quote unquote. I, you know, I don't know if he's really a number six. I think he's somewhere in between that. But you don't have to necessarily play him 90 minutes every week. And I think that, I think yesterday could be the start of that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Sean. Um, we'll disagree in the sense of I, I'd like to see a change. I'd like to see him, if anything, come off the bench. I still think he, there's an asset with having Michael Bradley as part of the 18 week in, week out. But I don't necessarily feel the need that we have to start him week in, week out. Whether he is or isn't the best number six, I think we need to start pushing ourselves in a direction that allows us to grow without depending on him in that role. Interesting. And, and, uh, and, and let me finish. Yeah, yeah. I personally think he's still functional, but I don't know if he's still our. Uh, even though we, you know, Mark Anthony K may not be a true number six, I don't know if we have a true number six on the, on the roster. Therefore, I'm willing to take. Especially with the progression, you know, Michael's getting older. He's not what he once was. So I'm willing to allow a transition to begin. And that means not starting him week in, week out. That's my take. Fair, fair. And and, and Giancarlo, uh, thanks, Giancarlo, for your comment here. Just says, it's good to see Oso back in the eight role, um, having a, a more of an instant impact. I'm worried, but don't mind about uh, Mark Anthony K in the sixth role. He thought Cervania had a man of the match game um, even before he scored uh, the tying goal. Uh, positionally sound, always doing the right things, making great decisions. I wonder if that's where TFC goes. Maybe it's Cervania in that sixth role. Though I feel like you you waste what Cervania does best if he has to be kind of that holding player in a sixth role. Because I feel like he is best as that as another shuttling midfielder in that three that Bob Bradley prefers. Um, yeah. Well, see, and I'm not even sure how exactly the formation start, we start because to me it's almost like we're play, when we have Alonso starting along with those three, and I find him floating around allows. Cervania to be more effective offensively and not have to worry about being more of a holding midfielder. And you have Mark Anthony. It's almost like you have give you're giving Mark Anthony more help in in adjusting to the role of playing that number six. So I think when you're having almost more of a four man mid, that 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 works better for them because, like I said, even though we were down early in the first half, we quickly maintained our composure and began showing more dominance on the ball and controlling the position. So that's how I think we're more effective. And you can do that without having Michael on the pitch. Fair enough. And a lot of you are jumping in on the conversation here. So if you do have some thoughts on this, I think this is going to be one of the um, sort of questions of the week for Toronto FC fans is this idea of now we're, are we starting to see what a life without Michael Bradley in the starting 11 could look like. Um, if you're on your phone and listening uh, in, uh, bottom right-hand corner, there's like a little chat bubble. Go ahead, hit that, uh, type in your thoughts. So we'll try to read as many of them as we can on air um, or just tweet at us at TFC Tunnel Club uh, with your thoughts uh, on this. Uh, just another uh, comment coming in here from TFC and you just on the sort of the same topic here. Uh, is Michael Bradley irreplaceable? That's a that's an interesting one. Um, to me, no. I, I think Sean. I think you would agree based on what you just said. The answer is no. Um, he's not irreplaceable. I, I think the um, what we have to remember is when when we had the best of Michael Bradley, he everyone's role was definitely more defined at that point. Uh, under under Greg Manning, everyone knew what was required of them. Everyone had an exact position, exact role on the pitch. 
we have to evolve away from that. We're no longer that team. Michael Bradley's no longer the same player he was back then. So, yes, he is replaceable. I think we have to, the idea of what he did for us is what we have to find, but not necessarily in that exact same player or mold. We can, find, we can adapt, we can adjust and have maybe a more versatile number six, right? It doesn't have to be the exact same, you know, exact same structure type system, clearly, because we have a different coach. So I think, yes, he is totally replaceable as. If, if that's clear enough. You know, I think that's very clear. And I think a lot of TFC fans would agree with your point there, Sean. And again, let us know if you do or if you don't. Um, because I, I think there are also fans out there that will point to Michael Bradley and say, hey, look, is he really the problem here? Um, is he really the issue and why we're not winning games right now? Why we're drawing a lot? I would, no. I would go ahead. No, he's not the. I will say he's not the issue or the only issue, but I do feel there's something we're missing in our midfield, and we have to look how can we maybe how can that improve, right? Because we've already improved defensively. It's time, you know. I think we might have the tools to make some changes with you know tweak our midfield as we saw last night. We all know where the major problem is. It's not in our midfield. It's up front. End of discussion. Like, we, we can beat that one until uh, till we're blue in the face. There's nothing more we can say about, we know we don't have a number nine right now. None of the players who've stepped up have really shown that they're willing to take it and go with it. So that's, my, that's the problem. We don't have someone else to put the ball in the net consistently. Sure, but I, but I think that, and again, this sort of goes back to something Chris Fung said um, from a tactical perspective, is that right now what we're actually having a problem with, and it, this happened again last night, and this is something I sort of had in my notes, is that when TFC tried to play out of the back, you know, on a goal kick um, or on a loss of possession where they play it back to Sean Johnson, or so they win the ball back, I should say, and they play it back to Sean Johnson, and to try to play out of the back, they struggle if they get even a whiff of pressure on them, right? They, they tend to give the ball away, whether that's the center backs or the right or left back playing the ball out. And it happened early on in the first half with Atlanta. And I was surprised. I felt like they, they kind of dropped off that press in the second half. I think that's why TFC were able to progress up the field a lot better, but you know, if your center backs, especially if your center backs are, who are generally going to be the ones playing out, because you don't have Michael Bradley dropping in between the center backs and playing out of the back as often um, as he once did, say last, even last year, um, you're re relying on Matt Hedges or Sigurd Rosted, or in this case, last night, Lucas McNaughton to play those balls out of the back. And if you're losing possession up there, how are you going to be able to connect the rest of your team moving forward, right? And, and I think that's, and I don't necessarily think that's a, a Michael Bradley slash number six problem right now. Um, it's, it's part of a bigger overall structural thing that's going on with the team. And part of that is down to you have new players learning a new, maybe not a new system, they're, they're footballers, they're professional footballers. I'm sure they've been asked to pass out of the back in the past. But you're, you're, you're adjusting to new teammates and those new teammates knowing where they need to be in order to properly play out of the back. And, and the thing here is that when TFC do beat that pressure and do play out effectively – that's when they're really good at then progressing ball, balls into the midfield, getting Federico Bernadeschi on the ball in the right spots, getting Jonathan Osorio on the ball in the right spots, uh, or, or allowing Richie Larea to make those runs, kind of like they did on the first goal, right? Where they were able to play out, they were able to get the ball to Bernadeschi in a, uh, Bernadeschi in a great spot, and then that allowed Richie Larea to make that sort of inverted run uh, for those two to connect. And then, of course, the rest is just Richie Larea being great at what he does, right? So, 
obviously the number six, we were looking at these specific positions, the six, the nine, and saying we need to improve there. And that's definitely something that we need to improve on because those are a massive part of the spine of the team. I think we can agree that the center back position, Roasted, Hedges, you know, Hedges didn't play yesterday. Um, but those those positions have been improved, right? I, I think they 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 playing out of the back for them it needs to improve a little bit, but generally from a defensive perspective, which is their primary focus, has improved. The next phase is how do we improve that middle piece? Again, if it's the number six, adding a better shuttler, and then that number nine piece. Right. I think that's sort of your next sort of step in terms of the evolution of the team. But I don't know, maybe you don't agree or maybe you do agree, Sean. What do you think? Well, I mean, definitely we've we've obviously improved defensively. I mean, I think across the board, when you look at the back four plus Sean Johnson, you know, we if you if you can't see an improvement, I don't know what you're looking at. Right. You know, we have two much more improved center backs that I think from a fan's perspective, I'm a lot more confident in them you know um position playing off of each other um you know making those those game saving tackles when need be um we know what richie brings to the table on on that right back i've been impressed with Petrata on the left uh so i think you're right we struggled 100 percent when it comes to any team that applies pressure defensively we you know playing out of the back has not been something we've we've truly um, improved on it much this season. Um, I think when we start to see little glimpses of, glimpses of it, but as soon as you get a little injury in the back, things change. Think you're going to see, you know, a little bit more uh, regression in that in that department. Um, so that does affect how we move the ball out, uh, playing it out to our midfield, and then you know attacking. Um, with that being said. <laughs> You know, obviously, we can't really do much right now with making any changes outside of you know what we have on the pitch, and that's part of the reason I think we're seeing a rotating number nine is that they're trying to see if there's if any of these guys are worth keeping and who we can get rid of to make that change. Well, yeah, um, they're hoping, yeah they're hoping one of these guys can kind of catch a spark, right, and and make something kind of happen with a chance. But so far, none of them have. No, um, and I think you know. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, just to touch on our, our strikers, you know, you Io made a, you know, did an interview recently saying a lot of people are counting him out. But, I mean, if, since that, that article has come out, what I've seen on the pitch, like, there's reasons why people have counted you out. You don't look fit. You don't look, you know, like five minutes into the game, you look like you're already exhausted. Um, I just question, like, if he's really physically able to to do what he once did um but yeah uh just going back uh, um i just think that's our number one focus in the you know come summer window i think our midfield is what we see is what we get for the remainder of the year i don't even see them making any changes in the the, unless it's to add add somebody because i mean you know we hope that we can get some some play out of victor vasquez this season um, cause he was missing again yesterday and, you know, he's filling up a roster spot. If he really isn't like, we all love what he did and what he potentially can bring, but, you know, I'm worried about bringing a lot of the, you know, having guys like that up, filling up roster spots, but, it, but not actually contributing to the team. Yeah. I think there's a lot of ways to look at contributions to the team, right? I think obviously you're the, the number one that we're all going to look at is, on pitch, right? Like, what are you doing on the pitch? But I also think there is value in having him there to guide some of the younger players, um, especially Coelho, right? Like, he's he's got a then, relationship with him, and, and I think that's in, important. Bring him in as a coach. <laughs> you know what I like, mean? No, but, I, but, I, like, but he still can contribute on the pitch, right? Like, that's the thing. It's just the, you know, I, I don't uh, – I, I think that he still is has some value in this team. It's probably his last season in the league. You know, at that point, he may retire. Uh, and if you can keep him in and he comes back next season as a coach, I think that is a win. 
I'm not as concerned. He's not taking up a ton of salary cap space, you know, like the, the, in terms of the roster spot, it's MLS roster gymnastics. You can find ways around it. I'm not as concerned about that, but I do get your point around it. Right. Like, again, I'm, we all love Victor. I just, again, the fact that he hasn't really been part of the, not, not even the 11, just on the roster as a healthy player. That's more my word. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, based on who we have and, and, and a little bit of midfield depth, I don't depth, I don't feel that's where our pressing need is. I still feel it will be our number nine and has to be our number nine in, in that summer window because there's just no way we can continue dr- going after draws. We need wins. And the only way to get wins is we need people to put the ball in the net. Well, I mean, you are right. And I'll just, we'll wrap up on the Bradley talk with this. Gray, uh, Gray Reed just coming in with the comment, if Michael if Michael Bradley wasn't injured, he would have started. Agreed. Um, I'm glad that, that uh, we had yesterday's opportunity. The club uh, should have planned and um, uh, started this transition last year. Uh, he doesn't need to start every match and play every minute, but he had, but there has to be another option planned as uh, he'll be gone. Right. Like at some point. That's a hundred percent fact. And, and like when he's gone, we definitely will need to have a body, not necessarily a Michael Bradley, but somebody that can come in, whether he becomes a starter or like I said, you know, maybe what we saw yesterday is the beginning of what, could be for the remainder of this year and could grow into a, a, a solid midfield. We don't know yet. It's one game, right? But when you look at the opponent, that's that's a good barometer to at least look at potential what the, what what it could be. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, let's uh, let's continue on in terms of the game itself. Um, look, I, I think that uh, we talked a little bit about Richie Larea's goal um, and, you know, you're hoping that he's rounding into form now, uh, but not so much that Nottingham Forest wants him back on loan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Like be good, but not be that good. We're Nottingham Forest. Like, oh, maybe we could use that guy. Uh, and maybe not the other 8,000 right backs they signed uh, between the summer window and the winter window. But, uh, you know, it, Look, I think that that we've talked about that connection between himself and Bernadeschi, and that is a, you know, that is a highlight and a, a big part of what this team is going going to be doing going forward. Even with Lorenzo coming back, like obviously having Lorenzo back in the lineup is a big boost. You know, we're going to see what those connections look like. Uh, with himself and Petretta and uh, potentially, well, most likely Mark Anthony Kay, sort of that left-sided midfielder of the three. Uh, but I think you, I think right now that's almost in, you, you can't break those two up right now because they are essentially creating, if not most of the chances, almost all of the chances um, that TFC are really getting these days. Oh, definitely. I mean, teams now have to almost double mark the two of them simply because you know if one gets open and then the other then becomes open there it's almost like a goal scoring threat right they are the, between the two of them they probably count for the majority of the points we have this season like goals plus assists right those two are just invaluable to us going forward and our attack for sure. And, and that was sort of, and, and again, when, look, we're, we'll come to the fact that TFC are probably drawing way too many games right now. Uh, and, and that obviously is something that, you know, whether you see that as a negative or see it as something that we just need to improve on, uh, obviously that that's a question, but I think that they're, again, you're, you're starting to, I'm starting to see, positives in our build-up play you know there there's things that need to improve we've talked about playing out of the back for sure uh you know we've talked about you know trying to cut down the amount of silly turnovers in the midfield that lead to counter-attack opportunities for the opponent but you know when this team is able to connect and is flowing the way bob bradley probably envisions this team doing 
they, it looks really good. Like they, they actually do look like they can be dangerous. And it tends to be obviously when they're home because they're playing, trying to play more on the front foot at home. But when they do, again, they, they can score goals. And remember, they, they, you know, they're, it's not like they're completely, you know, we're talking about their attack as if they never score goals. Like obviously there, there was a nil nil draw in there, uh, but they, they can score goal is the question is, you know, can you be a constant and consistent offensive threat? And can it look like it comes from play that is coordinated and connected? And right now it's not. Right now it's kind of individual moments. We will talk about the tying goal, though. It did come from very nice play. But generally speaking, these goals that TFC are scoring right now are from individual moments, whether it be Bernadeschi, you know, being able to cut it on his left and, and hit low post or hit a great or hit a great free kick or hit an Olympico or Mark, <laughs> or, you know, Mark Anthony K, uh, you know, making a great move or it's uh, Ricky Larea busting through three defenders and hitting a great strike right now. It's very uh, sort of moments of magic type goals. Uh, and really what we, the next evolution again of this team is to see this team score open play goals through great movement and be very intentional about that play. Agreed. Now we, not that we haven't scored a couple or a few of those goals. We have, you know, Mark, I uh, can't remember which game it was where Mark Anthony K sprayed a beautiful pass, which, and then it was two or three passes, brilliant finish. You know, we've had few of those within the game where we've seen, when when we do play that way, the potential. It's just, unfortunately, we do rely more so on the moments of brilliance by an individual, or sometimes it's, you know, the one-two play of Richie and, and, and Berna. And we can't, that's the problem, is we need to be more of a dynamic team in order to be a threat. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I, I think... The goal comes at a good time just before the half. Um, and, and and that sort of gives you that positive momentum going into the second half. And then, you know, the 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 2-1 goal for Atlanta in the second half, I don't want to say comes out of comes from, you know, out of nowhere. It was Atlanta, a mistake. It was, it was a mistake. A mistake by, by yeah. Us defensively. yeah, it was 100 percent You know, it. it came against the run of play to a certain extent, though Atlanta was starting to build a little bit at that point. But really when you watch the goal, um, you know, in real time on television, right? Like it's basically their striker sort of ghosts into a position and no one picks him up. Like just no one has awareness to get tight to him um, in front of goal, right? It, even though you, you'll see it on the broadcast, but Petretta sort of, looks over his shoulder and should have seen him and probably should have backed up to get a little tighter to him. Um, but no one does, um, neither himself or McNaughton kind of get tight to him. And he essentially gets an open header, uh, right in front of Sean Johnson, which nothing Sean Johnson could have done with that. Um, essentially it was kind of just a lapse in concentration, um, over something that probably should have just been dealt with fairly simply, right? Like if you just get tight to him, um, you're probably contesting him for the header. And that's where, and again, McNaughton played admirable, but that's where I believe a player like Hedges reads the play a lot better yes. because of his experience uh, in that role, right? So again, not 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 trying to knock McNaughton, but, you know, it's between him and Petrata, you know, the, the lack of communication, the lack of awareness helped cause, you know, and it wasn't just that. It was a few other things um, well, Osorio doesn't track the run either, right? Like yeah. Osorio just sort of kind of gives up on the run that the striker makes, right? Like if Osorio tracked the run, even if the other two don't react, then he, at least he's there to discourage the, the cross in. Right. So combination of errors allowed for them to take that lead. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and like at that moment, you're kind of, you know, you're as a fan, your headspace is like, oh, here we go again, right? Like, this is uh, one where you're in a game that, look, I'm going to say this is a game that they could have won, right? Like, this is a game they could have won, especially when you're looking at Atlanta not having their their starting goalkeeper, not having arguably the best player in the league in the lineup. 
you know, this is a game where you can you can get three points right at home, and uh, it, it's a, another defensive lapse uh, that costs. Now we're talking about this team getting better defensively, and I do believe this team has improved the, defensively quite a bit from last year. But there are still these moments where guys shut off for a moment, and it, it's costing instead of three points, it's caught. You know, it's getting us a point. Yeah. Um, and that and that hurts, right? That that does hurt. I think can hurt this team down the stretch when you're talking about, hey, can we make a run here? Can we try to push for a playoff spot? Um, that that's where it might come to to haunt us later. No, hundred percent. You know, and you know, good on the team for not, you know, putting their head down and, and you know just figuring, all right, it, we lost this one. They fought till the end. And it was kind of like, you know, I think once they brought in Insigne, uh, I believe it was around the 75th, 70th, between the 75th and the 80th minute, once you brought him on, it, it, it helped bring back a spark in the team, and they put on that pressure. I would sure. like to see, see them not have to do that to even just to get gain a point, right? You know, Pan and Moment broke loose for the fans that stayed, which which – we haven't touched on, but I'd like to make sure we touch on it in a sec. But oh, you, know, um, you know, we 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 need to have that killer instinct instinct earlier on. Well, let, let's talk about the Insigne. Let's let's talk about Insigne coming into the game because um, I don't know if you felt this in the stand. I didn't think it was actually that big of an issue. But apparently from some comments here, and I'll read one, one comment here um, from Jeremy just saying, uh, you know, Insigne was ready to go in the 69th, 70th minute, um, saying that Bob needs to make the change sooner because I guess he said he was ready to go in. You know, at that point it was 1-1. Does it make a difference? I actually don't think this is as big a talking point as people are making it out to be. Um but I have seen some comments around that. I don't know if this was something that people were talking about in the stadium, Sean, um, but I've seen a couple of comments around that. Yeah, I know there were a lot of people who felt he should have been in a lot earlier. I, I'm not going to say him being in – he wasn't – the forwards or the attack wasn't the reason we that caused that second goal, right? But I just felt we were flat, right? So we needed – a change. I, I felt the changes we made at halftime, if anything, didn't really keep the momentum going that we had going into the half. And that's why I felt we needed to get a change. And I would have loved to have seen him in at least by the 70th minute, if not, like I said, between the, hopefully prior to that goal. But I would have loved to have seen him in a lot earlier than they did put him in. Oh, so I, know there were, I know there were a lot of people who did feel we did wait. Like, again, I'm not going to say that was the reason. I don't feel so, but there's a lot of people that felt that he should have gone in earlier than he did. Fair enough. And, you know, again, I, I like I agree with you. I don't think that was necessarily the deciding factor, but maybe you could have seen him in a little bit earlier. Instead, what we got earlier in terms of substitution was Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy and Io Akinola coming in at halftime for Jordan Perusa. Um uh, and I'm now blanking on who. Uh, Alonso. Alonso. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, for Coelho. Um, in the midfield and essentially putting Jaquiel out on the wing, at least until Insigne was subbed in. Uh, I thought Jaquiel, again, looked solid and looked good uh, in his in his time, um, especially as a, as a winger. Uh, you know, I, I thought he connected passes really well. I, I, thought, he, I thought he was bright. Um, obviously, look, people are going to always insist that Insigne play left wing, Obviously, so that's not really a point of contention. But I do think Jaquiel, again, was solid in the minutes that he was given. We're definitely seeing, you know, it's definitely uh, not the same Jaquiel we saw last year. We're seeing him more confident when he's out there. You're seeing him more comfortable on the pitch, regardless whether he's playing on the left wing or even if they had, when they move him back to left. Uh, well, I think he played better on the left back than he does on the right back. Um, but uh, I had no issue with his play. I thought he did well. I mean, obviously, like if it wasn't for, you know, his run down the wing um, and his timely pass where 
a lot of people don't realize that cross into the box was at a it was in the exact spot it needed to be. If he had tried to cross it closer to the six yard box, we we wouldn't have, uh, there would have been no shot on that. He actually had to play it where our player was running into the ball, and that wasn't perfect, but it, but Cervania was able to adjust and and finish. Um, so I think you know we're seeing a lot more improvement from Jaquil, um as he's getting more minutes on the on the pitch. Yeah, and I think on that final goal, you know, when he when he when he does the cutback, I think a lot of the tendency, like for example, I'll use a former TFC player as an example, Jacob Schaffelberg, right? Jacob Schaffelberg, fantastic, uh, right now at Nashville, really found a system that works for him. When he was at TFC, you know, he get into those similar positions that Jaquille Marshall Ruddy were in, but whereas Jaquille really picked his head up and picked out the right cutback you would see Jacob Schaffelberg kind of just whip the ball into a, into a, a space, any space, um, and not really properly cut back to a player making a run. And I think that's where the difference in, in terms of that, you know, footballing IQ comes in, uh, where Jaquiel really has that at a high level. And I thought that was a fantastic cutback. And then, of course, Cervania, who, you know, some people are calling him man of the match, um, you know, obviously before you, I think that, that was mentioned in the comment before, uh, before the goal, you know, does really well to adjust his feet and it's a great strike into the bottom, uh, far post, uh, for the tying goal. And, you know, and, and it was a great passage of play, um, between Insigne, Osorio laying the ball into Jaquiel's path and then Jaquiel hitting the cutback. You know, I think that's, where and Robbie made the point in his comment earlier about Insigne being able to come in and and br- help bring more goals and bring more Ws. I think that's where you know you're going to see him improve the team from that perspective. Is that sort of connective play between himself and Osorio happens a lot quicker um, on the pitch when he's there because he just has that brain to be able to play those kind of passes. Well, that. Everything you said there, and on top of that, you want to think that now having Insigne hopefully sooner rather than later start, that opens up and spreads should spread the the our attack right because ninety percent of the teams who we play against pretty much know where our focal point of our attack is going to go on the right side. Now that we have Insigne back, that should ease a lot of the pressure off of Bernadette and now we have two threats. And having, if you can have the link up for each of those players uh, or somebody to link up with each of those players, whether it be uh, Osari on the left uh, every now and then, whether it be Petrata, whether it be um, Jaquil, whoever's playing with him, you know, allow him to do what he can do. And then on the right side, we already know what Bernadeschi and uh, Richie can do. And we're starting to see even Cervania, how he works with those three. So you're getting that nice dynamic. We can build that on each side. I think that should open up the pitch and hopefully get more goals for us. Yeah, and I think that's where the positives come from this game, right? Like you're seeing these connections starting to form. Like I said yesterday in my tweet, I've kind of walked it back a little bit. Um, I still think they're they're not the obviously they're not at the boil yet, but there are things that you're seeing from an attacking perspective that are, that are looking nice, you know, and in that, you know, once you can fit in that number nine, that really can, you know, be a part of that and really provide, you know, that focal point, that outlet, that, that threat in behind or can occupy center backs, you know, and and make them have to think twice about stepping out to one of a cutting in Bernadeschi or uh, Insigne, then you should start to see more goals and more opportunities, more chances uh, open up for the team. Um, you know, and, and I think that's where that's where the, the sort of hope is come the summer when you, you're thinking that Bob Bradley are, and and Bill Manning are looking at the team and saying, okay, we do need help here. We do have an open DP spot, though I am not the biggest proponent of having to use a DP spot on a number nine. I don't necessarily think you need to do that. Um, But look, if if the right player comes along and is a DP number nine and it comes at the right price, 
okay, fine. Like, um, you know, we use it, right? Like that's, that's the point of it. Um, but, but the, I, either way, whether it's a DP nine or it's a solid MLS player that has a track record or, or a player outside of the league that has a track record and doesn't have to come in on DP salary. You know, I, I think that that's sort of the next, that's the next piece. Okay. Uh, speaking of that position and potential players. So someone asked me last night if I've heard the rumor, um, of TFC potentially looking at, um, Vela as our number nine. Okay. But I don't even know if this is a rumor. I think Chris Fung made this up on the last podcast. <laughs> this is not a rumor. They're not going at, I don't know if they're going after Carlos Vela. Um, Carlos Vela isn't actually really a number nine. He's more of a winger now, um, more than anything. Yes, of course. If you could get a Carlos Vela, of course you get Carlos Vela. Like, yes. Do I think it's a real thing? No. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and again, it, it's one of those things where um, why would LAFC let him go? He signed a contract extension now. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't I, make sense. I, well, I, look, I, from a footballing perspective, um, sure, again, well, it could make sense. Again, from, he, TFC, but, from a TFC perspective, yes, but from when you're from an outsider taking a, a, a realistic look at it, no, it doesn't make sense because no, again, LAFC and, say, "Here, go ahead, take him." Yeah, and I mean, from a LAFC perspective, like he plays essentially the same role Bernadeschi plays right now. So, like, you know, if he's going to drift into those spaces, right? Like, you're you're just sort of taking away you're, you're adding one thing, but he's taking away from what Bernadeschi does best because they both kind of like the same positions and want to take up those positions on the right and cut in on the left. Uh, you know, do the, can he be, you know, when he was at Arsenal and, and when he was at Real Sociedad, like he didn't really play as a traditional number nine, right? Like he played as sort of a guy who would, drop into space and connect play, then make runs or come off the right and, you know, score on his left. And you already got a player that does that. So I don't know if he actually makes a ton of sense from that position. But again, you know, stranger things have happened in that place. Well, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily, you know, think, I haven't even taken any deep thought into who could fit that role, especially looking within MLS. Um, but I just feel you know, you already know how I feel. That is something that has to be addressed. Oh, and uh, Jeff, yeah, Jeffrey Pinesker, uh, co-host on uh, Toronto I Dies, listening and saying it was actually Brendan Dunlop that started the whole Carlos Vela to TFC thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Brendan. No way. I, I, I just I don't see that being a thing. Um, let's get into a couple of comments here, Sean, before we close out the show. Um, Jeffrey also just saying uh, that if you keep slacking, slagging Victor Vasquez. Uh, he's leaving and taking his ball home. Uh, as we all know, Jeffrey P. Nesker, a very big Victor Vasquez stand. Well, Jeffrey can't say anything because I know he, I don't think he's gotten it yet, but we got him a special treat when we were in Nashville. So Jeffrey has to be real nice to me. Oh, okay. You heard it first, uh, JPN. You got to be nice to Sean or you don't get your uh, your special Nashville gift. I think I know what it is. Uh, so that will be you know, Okay. Jeff, you're an Arby's man. Like you need to just just go take road trips to the U.S. because they're like everywhere. When I'm, I mean, we could not go past anywhere and not see them in our road trip. Yeah, there you go. So Jeff, be nice to Sean, or you don't get your Arby's treat. Um, okay, uh, a couple of other things. Yes, Giancarlo uh, Bernadeschi. Yes, I know. I'm I'm working on correcting that. It okay, is- you know what? It's, we're just gonna call him Fede because that's the name for what you, I was saying. Yeah, go ahead, with. go for it. I, I, I am, I don't I am wanna, trying I'm, to fix that. Yes, I will. I, I, I'm gonna keep butchering it. So Fede, he <laughs> doesn't like Berna. He likes Fede from what I've been told. So I got it. That's how I need to refer to him. And maybe every every show I need to write it and have it on some kind of chalkboard in front of me so I don't screw that up. Yeah, for sure. A couple of comments coming in here from Robbie just saying, you know, Apple TV pundits are writing TFC off, uh, but the team is still learning to play together. I agree. I don't think I like I said this team is mid in my in my tweet last night. And I, I, the way I mean it is that they're just right now, they're kind of in the middle, right? They're just they're not really great yet but they're not 
like the worst team in the league by far. Like the worst team in the league right now, arguably, is Montreal. Um, but yeah. it's you know it, it, from from that perspective, you know, I, it just right now. I think a lot of us as fans right now just want this team to cook, right? Like we, the, the ingredients are kind of partially there. We know what we now kind of need to move us to the next level. But I think as fans, I think why we're frustrated on these draws and, and Sean, maybe let's, let's talk about that really quickly before we, we wrap up the show um, is that you see the improvement from last year. You see the improvement from 2021, Right. Like we, we know this team is better defensively. We know we've got players that can make a difference. It's now about putting it together and putting it into three points instead of one point every week. Right. And that is where I think some of this sort of frustration from the fan base comes from is because you can see these moments where this team can, you know, if they can really put it together for a stretch, they could be really, really good. Like they could actually be really good. You know, and, and and I think that's where that's coming from. But um, Sean, I wanted to get your thoughts on the draws, right? It's unbeaten now. In what we're unbeaten in six or seven? Six, seven, yeah, we're unbeaten in seven. Um, but it's draws, basically one win, six draws. Uh, and um, you know, how are you? How how is that sitting with you right now? I think you know. I, Early on, I was a little bit more understanding. I was a little bit more accepting of, all right, you know what? I'll take them. And to a certain extent, I'm still accepting those draws as, all right, you know what? We're finding ways either not to, you know, put our heads down and give up when we're down. We fight back. So you're seeing that, you know, we have that something that we didn't have last year. We've seen the defensive improvement. We know we have a much better back four well, simple back line plus our keeper. So we know there's there, – it's almost like we do know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We haven't had our best 11, you know, since game one. So we know there's – I'm trying to be happy. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to take them those, those draws as, all right, we didn't lose, right? Like, but – I'm still disappointed. I'm still not happy. And I, I don't think that that's wrong with me. I think, you know, based on the fact that, you know, we had a bad season last year, I think I just want to see us start to get some wins under our belt because I think that's the only thing that can really get momentum going for these guys. Right. Yeah. So, and just one more thing. I really couldn't care less what the pundits say. Let them write us off. Cause in fact, I think it's better if they write us off because that, you know, maybe there's less pressure of people not always thinking TFC this, TFC that. Let us just go out there and let the guys just go and play. Yeah, don't worry about the Apple pundits, guys. Most of them do not pay attention to Toronto FC on a day-to-day basis, right? Like, they are very much taking a very surface look um, at the team uh, from that perspective. So, I mean, the only one that may have inside knowledge is Kaylin Kyle because, like, she's, that, like, it, she's, tight, it, she's tight with a lot of the players and knows a lot of them personally. So, Well, um, I would say she knows more than national team players, but then, say, the TFC core players. Um, but I don't even value her takes. No, fair enough. And the, I, I think that, you know, from that perspective, I, I wouldn't read too much into what sort of these Apple TV guys are saying because, and that's part of the problem, I think, with Apple TV is they're trying to be a national broadcast when you really actually need more um, community-focused uh, coverage on some of these teams, and then you bring that into a national package. Uh, but I'm not a TV expert, so I'll leave it there. Uh, yeah, in terms of the draws, look, I think that right now, if you look at Toronto FC in the standings, after eight games, they're on nine points, right? So they're better than a point a game. Uh, you know, the one win, they're they're in the last play-in spot at the nine position. You know, they're but again, they, they get a win, and immediately you're vaulted up to, you know, you're within the top five, right? So there's that balance there. That said, um, you know, if you look at the results, the, the truth is, is they dropped a lot of points from winning positions. And if they go on and, and they get full points in those games, 
you're talking about a team that's top of the East right now, or pretty close, right? You're, you're talking about a team that's probably in where Atlanta is right now, in 15, you know, to 16, 17 points. That puts you at the top of the East and closer to the top of the league overall. You know, so y- y- you have to also look at it from that perspective as well, where, you well, know, you, they've exactly. dropped a lot of points and a lot of these games are coming up thick and fast because they got to get them in before Gold Cup and they got to get them in before Lynx Cup starts. Uh, and, I, you know, you, you're going to, like I said earlier in the show, you might end up ruining the fact that you've dropped a lot of these points. And, the, you know, the next three games for TFC are, are not easy, right? Like you, this was kind of the, you know, no game in MLS is quote unquote easy, but these were the games that you could have picked up three points and really given you put yourself in a decent position going into May and June, right? Because your next three, well, here's the next three, right? You're away at Philadelphia next week. You're home to NYCFC and then you're home again to new England, Right. Those teams, those, you know, those three are playing pretty decent football right now, you know, and then you, you, you're talking about teams that are right now in playoff positions. Okay. So here's a, here's a fair question. Could we potentially look back, you know, in, in a month from now and, and be looking back at these, the, our last three draws, Charlotte, Nashville. Go back even the last four, go back to your last four, even if you include San Jose. Okay. So we go back to those four. Like, could we look at those and say, you know, if especially if we don't get results that we we really need in the next three, could those have been the defining moments for the club for this season? Well, well possibly. I mean, again, it, it's it's time will tell, right? I mean, look, who knows? Maybe in Sydney's back in the lineup starting next week, and it starts off a great run of games where TFC really start to put it all together, like we've been talking about on the show, but. You know, let's look back. San Jose, okay, you, you write your you're missing players because of international call ups. We'll right. write that one off, okay? Um, Charlotte, you're up two nil, right? You're up two nil at home, and you blow that one. You, yeah, you have a great first half, and you throw it away in the second half, right? right. Um, Nashville again, a game where you had chances. You know, it's not like Nashville were were punishing us in any way. Um, you know, it, it, we had it, a penalty. It, we, didn't, sorry? we didn't finish on our penalty. Yeah, we didn't finish our penalty. You know, we did. We didn't. You know, we we had chances there, and then Atlanta again, right? Like more of an even game. Maybe two two is a fair result, uh, but again, an opportunity where I, uh, you know, I think they could have come into this game and got three points, right? And if you, you know, if you eliminate sort of a, a mistake on the near post. You know, in the first three minutes, you know, following out Yakumakis, you're probably in it, right? You two two kind of laps of concentration moments in this game cost you three points because really outside of that, Atlanta were okay, but it wasn't like again they were. We won the possession battle, we won the XG battle, we won most of the battles if you look at it statistically in this game, right? And it, I'll also point out, and I don't necessarily want to go on a referees kind of suck rant here oh he was garbage playing but yeah i mean look there were three incidences in the first half or maybe or maybe two in the first half one in the second where you know there were two penalty shouts and you know bernadeshi was in early just after the first goal where you could have had a really good free kick opportunity at the top of the box None of them were called for TFC and both of the penalty opportunities went back to video review and they both came back because um, on the broadcast, you you hear them talking about going back to VAR and they both get waved on, you know, by Ted uncle and at least one of them for sure. I think Zervania got fouled in a box where he got pulled. He got his shoulder pulled back and it was a penalty. Like it's a penalty. There's contact in the box. The one on Richie, uh, 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 at the end line there. I know that I guess referees are starting to clamp down on Richie because they think he wins a lot of fouls in the box or tries to go down to win fouls in the box, uh, quote unquote diving. That was not a dive. There was contact, right? And like, it, it, you know, in those things, you have VAR 
to make sure that those incidents get noticed and get called properly. And they weren't. And I, and I think that's a, a situation where you walk out of this game with a two, two draw and it's in the 94th minute and people are happy and that's great. Well, but another part of me looks at that and says, that's probably three points. And when you say people are happy, yeah, maybe the fans were happy, but if you look at the way they, the, the pitch uh, at, at the 90, when he blew that final whistle, you know, Bernard up getting another, sorry, Fede gets another yellow card because er, he goes after the ref and loses it. And like he's surrounded by TFC players. My, uh, Michael Bradley is in his face. I think he may have even gotten a yellow. Um, coach uh, Bob Bradley was in his face. Like they were livid on how he called that game. That was, and anybody who, whether you watch it on TV or you were there, it was just a, like, you know, we've complained time and time again about MLS refereeing and CONCACAF refereeing, but if they want to improve themselves and be a legit top flight, well, not even as a top flight, as in one of the top in the world, but just consider yourself a top flight league. You need referees at that level, and ours are trash. Yeah, That's well, all I'm going to say on that. I'm not, I don't need to get into that. But back to what we were saying before on the draws and with what's coming up, you also have to include the fact that literally next month we have Canadian Championship. So and then, isn't it? Is it June League or July League Cup? I can't even remember. Uh, June, June right? is Gold Cup. June is Gold Cup. June, June is Gold Cup. Then League Cup, right? So you just yeah. ha- you're gonna have games after games. Sean Johnson is called up for a friendly this week. Yep. Is he? Will he be back or ready to play if he does play on the week? I suspect he'll be back and playing, but you, you never know, right? Um. So things are gonna be moving real quick in TFC land. So. Like, you know, we don't – let's hope that things change and now that we have uh, Insigne, that might help spark things offensively. That's what we can hope for because we're going to be busy in the next month and a half to two months. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, this 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 next little stretch here between these three, like, look, it, it there'll be tough games, but if you can get – you know, win and say a draw, let's take four points out of these next three games. You know, you get a win and you get a draw out of that and you're in a good spot, right? You're in a decent spot going into sort of this stretch where they're going to be playing a lot of games in a short amount of time between, you know, after that, they go to Montreal, then it's Red Bull at home, then it's Austin. Like, and, and they're like, they're basically Saturday, they're either Saturday, Sunday into Wednesday games right so yeah, yeah. montreal saturday yeah. we have i think the wednesday game home and then another home game i believe yeah so the way the schedule works is basically they're on once a week until after the new england game on the sixth and then it's basically a game almost every three to four days in may plus canadian championship right as you mentioned so it's uh it, it's going to be coming thick and fast so now this depth that we've been talking about where you know Quayle's come in and played well and you know you've seen some guys come in and start to get men like Jaquil and play well that's going to get tested now because the games are coming thick now after may the 6th yeah so it'll be interesting yeah, it will be. Last uh, point I wanted to touch on before we wrap up here. Um, Giancarlo, just with uh, the last comment here, was it just me or was that the loudest TFC crowd this season? Love the atmosphere uh, in the stadium. Um, you were there. I was not uh, this weekend. How did you find sort of the vibe in the stadium? Um, I know you talked about sort of the end of the game and people leaving early. Don't do yeah, that. Uh, we'll, but yeah, We'll get into that. But let's, you know, packed house. Uh, which was beautiful to see. Um, you know, weather obviously played a factor in that. Although, you know, we've actually had good numbers so far this year, right? All things considered. Um, but what I mean, I know the South Ends have gotten a lot of criticism of not sounding unified. And last night was probably the best in the sense of, you know, we did, there was a big effort and has been a big effort all season to really try to do a better job coordinating songs and, and sounding more unified when singing. And I think that was one of the beginning of where you noticed it from a fan's perspective who maybe wasn't sitting in the South End to hear it, which then resonates throughout the stadium, right? So I think that was definitely something that um, people noticed and I noticed last night. Um, Now, the only downside to that is, you know, I don't even know what time it was late in the game when people just said, 
you know, I guess we're going to lose this game. Let me get home early and get out of here and beat the rush. Well, you know, sorry to be to have to get negative, but you guys are not real fans. Stick it out to the end. And I know people are going to say, oh, don't you don't call us. You know, we're not we're, we're still real fans or whatever. But you know what? The game was not over. And anyone who's watched football knows. Could be two minutes of extra time, could be six minutes of extra, extra time. If a team wants to fight till the end, they're going to fight till the end. And our team did that last night and fought for that that point to the little to the dying second. So for those that, that wanted to beat the rush or whatever reason it may or may not be, you missed the best part of the game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and I always say, that's why you stick around to the end because uh, you never know what happens in football. Uh, so, you know, but I mean, hey, look, if you have to park downtown and pay $35 for parking and then try to beat the rush onto the gardener, I don't blame you either because I get okay, it. I've done it before. <laughs> there are, you know what? In Liberty Village, there's a few parking lots that are under 10 bucks to park. If you really want to know, hit me up the DM and I'll tell you exactly where to park. You might have to add another two, three minutes onto your walk to the stadium, but so be it. You know, if you want to save some money, I can help you do that. And there you go. Sean Levy, uh, football fan, uh, fan pundit, parking expert at BMO Field. Uh, and I think that's a great place to wrap it up there um, as I got a Harley passing by my house. Um, thank you so much for listening to the Tunnel Club, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, uh, for commenting, giving us your thoughts. We really appreciate that as well. Um, we will be back next week with a more instant reaction show after the road game in Philadelphia. Um, so stay tuned. If you don't already, follow us at TFC Tunnel Club here on Twitter for show times and the show links. Uh, we'll start getting the shows now. I think um, starting today with today's show, we will get uh, the shows up on uh, podcast. So follow uh, us at uh, Toronto Till I Die on our Big Brother feed. Uh, that's where the uh, Tunnel Club shows will live as a podcast. If you missed any part of the show uh, there, that would be greatly appreciated. But other than that, uh, thanks for listening in. On behalf of Sean Levy, my name is Mike Newell. Thanks for listening to the Tunnel Club. We'll see you next week. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.